This week on Kettle of Fish, actress Jordan Aurora stops by to talk about dead letters, live theater, and the undead. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. All righty. Welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show after the show, the talk after the talk, the 20-minute comedy money shot after the two hours of very intense political foreplay. Dee, it's just me and you today. Oh my gosh, it is. And sorry, I had to giggle because I, sometimes I forget, but that song just, it just tickles me. I don't, it just does. It just Well, I hope me. it tickles our audience. <laughs> That's what I'm really shooting for. Yes, so sir. before we jump into it, since um, we just came off a very intense episode of the Ignorance <sighs> Equation, let's tell everybody who is coming up on the next couple episodes of Kettle of Fish. Yes, uh, we've got some pretty cool people coming up. Uh, next week from the TBS show Wrecked, which if you somehow have been living under a rock and or haven't had time to see it, um, it's they they nod to uh, Lost quite a bit. It, it's hilarious. You really got to watch it. Uh, we're going to have Asif Ali on, and I cannot wait to talk to him. I, I'm sure he's got tons of funny, funny, funny stories to tell us. Um, and he's also a comedian, right? Um, and then yeah. we're going to have... Yeah, and then we're going to have comedian Krish Mohan, which is going to be cool because we're actually going to Asheville to see him with uh, Lee Camp live. They're going to do stand-up out there, so it's going to be really cool. We'll get to talk to him a little bit before. Uh, and then from this season of America's Got Talent, the very sultry singer, Mr. R.L. Bell, who just doesn't... He, he just... I, I don't know. He he does remind me of Camacho from uh, from Idiocracy, but in a good way. Like Yeah, a lot less hair. threatening. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Definitely. so it's going to be a ton of fun. Absolutely. But who do we have on today? I think that's what we want to talk about. Well, today from uh, from like a show that just came out this year and has already made it to my top ten shows that I have to binge on. Um, and also from some kind of odd, just off-the-wall movie about a guy who wears a head on his head. And a show about one of my favorite things, vampires. Uh, today, da, 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 uh, of course, we have Jordan Aurora. So it's going to be awesome. Very nice. And before we get her in here, let me just kind of do the setup here. Um, me and you were watching Preacher, one of our favorite yes. shows this season. And I was nice. like, you know, we really got to get somebody from Preacher on. So I went over to um, Preacher's IMDb and I was like, kind of searching out who was interesting and i looked at several people as i always do because i'm such a good researcher when i'm booking and i looked at jordan and i was like all right well let me see what she's done i clicked her imdb and i was like wow um she's done that movie frank and she did the soundtrack too and that was her first um actual gig in movies tv what would have you so i went over to her youtube page checked her out and then i sent her a message she was 
total sweetheart. We talked back and forth, and I saw that she lived in New Mexico. That's another reason I reached out to her, too. And I was like, wow, this is a very interesting and unique career path into acting. And I like talking to people who take interesting roads. I don't... I mean, I don't mind talking to the same old, same old, but when somebody I think has a really unique perspective or a unique way of going about things, I just thought that her backstory, her origin story for all you comic book people (laughs) was just amazing. And, and that's why we've got her on here today. So with no further ado, Jordan, what is up? Hey, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Totally. Definitely. Um, so I was kind of doing the setup in the beginning of this, and I was talking about how you kind of broke into the movies with mm-hmm. Frank and your music. How, I want to start with this. There's so much I want to talk to you about, but let me start with this. So yeah. with a situation like Frank, was it, hey, I've got this song. Are you still there? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can hear you now. Okay. What are you saying? <laughs> okay. So with a movie like Frank, um, was it a situation where you said, hey, I've got this really cool song and then you submitted it to whoever's in charge of those types of things? Or did you get an acting gig and an extra of it and you were like, hey, I play music and I write a song for it? Like, how did that even come about in such a weird oh way? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was uh, – Frank was such a strange um, and incredible serendipitous thing. Um, I was actually – I lived in L.A. when I was 15 and that's when the writer strike hit and that was – the most opportune time to be there obviously uh no um but anyway so I'll, I'll probably get back to that later anyway so i'm i'm 19 years no 20 20 years old and i was in college and i'm studying musical theater here in uh santa fe and uh i was in my sophomore year of college and i hadn't i hadn't been uh cast at all i mean i had done the musicals but i hadn't been um in a straight play and i just felt like so frustrated and, and was feeling really like, oh my gosh, I have to do something for myself. I have to, I don't, I don't like to complain. So I need to do, I need to do a thing to make me feel like I'm moving towards my goals. And um, so my acting teacher comes into class one day. He's like, hey, so my agent, uh, they need young people for this movie. So uh, <clears throat> submit your stuff and maybe you can go and audition. And I was like, okay, well, I have no idea what this is, but I'm, I'm going to do it because I'm really frustrated and I need to, I need to do something for myself. So I, I get I that. In my, yeah, I know. I just needed to, to I needed to act. I needed, ha, ha, um, double entendre. But, uh, so I sent in my stuff and I didn't hear back from them actually. And, um, but my, my other friends did and I, I accidentally sent my stuff in a day too late. And so I just didn't hear back from casting. Um, and so they heard back, they got, had a couple lines for like passer buyers, like, Hey, have you seen this guy? Um, and I thought, well, what do I have to lose? Like I can just, bring my headshot and resume and I can go too, I guess. Um, if, if they accepted their, their headshot and resume, why, why shouldn't they accept me? So uh, I drive out to Albuquerque and I get there and I have no idea what this thing is. All I know is that we have these passerby lines and I was thinking it was going to be this small, I, I didn't even know if it was a union film or not. Um, so I get there and, and um, I sign my name on the thing and I, I'm thinking, Oh my God, I'm going to get in trouble. Like shit, I'm going to be, in trouble here because I'm not supposed to be here. Um, but I sign my name on the list anyway, and they bring me in, and I do the lines or whatever. My friends do their lines, and we're about to leave the casting office. And then um, before we go, I see all these girls there with guitars. And they're, they're, it was like a handful of them, and I, I went, what? Okay. And um, my friends were in the car, and they were waiting for me because we had to get back to school. 
And I said, wait, 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 just wait a second, wait a second. Uh, and I don't know what came over me because the, me being there in the first place was like kind of not okay. But I, I ran back in and I knocked on the audition room uh, door and I said, hey, I can sing. Do you need someone who can sing? Because I can do that. And uh, they said, yeah, yeah, actually, actually we do. And I said, okay. Uh, they said, yeah, just give, me, give, give us a minute. Do you know what you're going to sing? I said, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'll figure it out. So they called me back in. Um, and I ended up singing, I think, like a Jesse J song uh, or something. And they listened to me sing, and they were like, cool. And I said, cool. And then I left. <laughs> and then um, about a week or two later, um, or no, no, not even two weeks, I, I got another call, and they said, hey, you have a callback. And I said, okay, cool. And they said, can you learn this song? Um, and it was just kind of the singer songwriting falsetto thing. And uh, I drove back to Albuquerque and I met the director of this film and, and the casting director was there and I sang my song and uh, I said a couple lines for them because they asked me to read for another part too. And then they said, thanks. And I said, thanks. And, and then I went back to Santa Fe and I, I kind of forgot about it because it was really for me, this audition was just for myself. And, and I had no idea what this thing was. I just wanted to go on an audition. I wanted to be doing something outside of school because I was frustrated um, at school. Um, but then I get a call. I was in the rehearsal room um, at, at my school. And I get a call from the cast director. She said, hey, you booked this movie. I said, what? She said, you booked it. And so I was like, ah! So I start like, squealing and, and freaking out. And I, I was like, this, that's cool. And she said, yeah, we need your information. You're going to get tapped heart lead, which means um, they're going to hire uh, someone for a SAG or a union job who is non-union. And that's a pretty big deal. It's kind of hard wow. to, yeah, it's to do that. Yeah, it's really hard. Like, I've looked it up. And I'm like, like you, you have to be at the right place at the right time with the right people or it's probably Absolutely. not going to happen. Yeah, that's awesome. That is amazing. And, I mean, it just goes to show. I remember, I remember, and I'm quite a bit older than you, I'm sure. I'm in my 40s. But I remember when I was coming up and I used to play in various punk bands, and the consensus mm -hmm. always was, you know, you, you're supposed to go out and be a plumber or something. You can't do anything creative. That's an impossibility. And this is just a situation, as I've learned over the years, just putting myself out there doing this podcasting thing. We live mm -hmm. in a society now, in a culture now, where if you put yourself out there, doors will open, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just doing. That's something that I'm learning right now. Is I, I'm such a perfectionist, and I can be kind of um, insane. But uh, just putting yourself out there and making yourself known and saying, hey, I do this thing, and I might not be the best at it, but I'm doing it. And, and people respond to that, and that's crazy. And that's, that, that's kind of what that moment was for me. And I had no idea that it was going to be um, the caliber. I mean, it's Lenny, Lenny Abramson, um, Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, Michael Fassbender. It was, it was incredible. Um, Domhnall Gleeson, he's amazing. Uh, but I was thinking it was just this little, like, which I was so grateful for to be in anything. But I thought it was going to be this low budget. Uh, I didn't even think I was going to get paid. I had no idea if it was a union or not. But I, I went home to see my family. Um, and we, uh, my family lives in Alaska. And I, I wow. get this email um, saying, yeah, saying, here, here's the song you're going to learn. Uh, can you play it on ukulele and guitar? And mind you, my guitar is not great. I can play like eight chords. <laughs> like a solid eight chords to accompany myself with whatever jingle I want to sing. Um, and they said, okay, so you're going to learn a song. I said, oh, oh, oh okay, uh, great. So we had to go out and buy a guitar. And I had to learn how to 
play the song, but they didn't send the, the, the chart. So I had to hire a guitar teacher to listen to the track and learn it. And oh, then I learned yeah. it there. And then, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> and then I got the information that Maggie Gyllenhaal had signed on to the project. And I just flipped. I had I no idea what this, I, I was like, this is a movie. I'm going to be in it. This is a real movie. <laughs> That's what I That's saying. a it's lot a to movie. process. Let me ask you a logistical question. When you do a movie with a Maggie Gyllenhaal, and I did go on Netflix and watch the movie the other day, by yeah, the way, it thoroughly was... enjoyed oh, it. But, I'm so glad. But when you do a movie with like a Maggie Gyllenhaal, do you actually get any FaceTime to talk to her? Or is it just like you guys exist in the same room and then go back to your trailers? Well, um, this particular project, I think I was very, very fortunate because this is like the unicorn of movie sets to be on, I think. Um, because I got there and the first person I was greeted by was Lenny, the director. And, and I'm, I'm just trying to keep my cool. I'm trying to, to make sure I know this song and that I know what I'm doing and that I'm not going to like pee my pants or something weird. Um, <laughs> that would be weird. Like, yeah, yeah, but it's possible. I was nervous. I was nervous. But um, Lenny's like, hi, Jordan. It's so nice to see you. And I just kind of nodded my head at him. He said, do you know who I am? I said, mm-hmm. And he said, I'm the director. I said, no, I know that. Hi. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so we got to set, and um, it was crazy because they actually did uh, my stuff before they brought in the stars. So uh. um, I, I had seen them in the makeup trailer uh, just for a moment. I was sitting in my chair just like over the moon and they were putting makeup on me. And uh, so I saw Maggie in the trailer and I was like, oh my God, it's Maggie So then they, they took us over to set and they sat me down and said, okay, you're going to sing your song. And they shuffled in all the extras. And um, so I was sitting on the stage and they had the whole room full of people um, reacting to, to my singing. And it was, it was like 7 a.m. This is my first time being on a professional set. And they're like, okay, go. And so I was just singing my song, and they got the footage with the extras. And then um, they actually used for the soundtrack the um, the music from the live recording from the first or second take that we took. Um, and anyway, so they shuffled out the extras, and then the stars were on set. And so I was I was about maybe like 50 feet from them for most of the the day, and I um, or most of their shots because then they went and put the cameras on them. Uh, so I didn't really interact with them that much at the beginning. And I was just so focused on trying to show up and do my part and be professional that I really didn't talk to anyone. But um, I remember I kind of braced myself for, I had no idea how this, how this was going to work, but I figured, okay, don't talk to them unless they talk, they talk to you. You know, like don't, don't bother these people who are trying to do their jobs, just do your job and don't worry about it. Um, and they never, they never really spoke to me, but they were very much so aware of me and they like gave me a nod and stuff. But, um, later in the day, cause I had to keep singing this song. I sang that song probably like 150 times or something. Um, but, um, Maggie turned to Lenny and she said, cause her character is like really pissed off. She hates my song. Oh, she hates yeah. my ukulele. She hates everything that I stand for. But she turns to Lenny and she goes, I feel so bad being so mean to Jordan. She has a beautiful voice. And my heart just, I, I had no idea that she knew my name. Because yeah, she didn't I was going to say, you. it's like, oh my God, she knows my name. Oh my God. This yeah. Person. <laughs> she like took the time to acknowledge that, I mean, even though I was a small part, I was still a part of this thing. And um, that's, 
it was just really moving to me because I really did not expect anyone to speak to me. And then as the day progressed, I did get to talk to them a little bit more. Um, uh, Dom Hogleason is amazing. And he came and sat with me in the booth while we were waiting at the diner and just talked to me about like Alaska and New Mexico and stuff. And um, like Maggie came up and talked to me after we were done shooting and told me great job. And everyone was super encouraging. Wow. And Michael Fassbender like gave me a pat on the back and like a hug before he left. And he was like, great job. Like, Everyone was so kind. And then um, during lunch, I sat with um, the director and the producer, and they talked to me about my border collie and my mom and, like, Ireland and all this stuff. And so um, everyone was so, so nice to me. And they – it's not like um, – it's not like they spoiled me or, or, or anything like that, but they, they just treated me like a person, and they treated me like a professional and, like, a valuable team member. And it was just – um, it was really just such a phenomenal experience and I am very fortunate to have that be my first thing and it's it up the standard high because not well, everyone is that I think nice. we're fortunate to talk to you too and I oh. so let me ask you this since you since you're somebody who's so close to their first experience let me ask you this then when you walk out of there, what are you, what means the most to you? The work that you just did and people go back and look at this movie 50 years from now and go, who's that girl playing guitar? Or the, the actual experience that you had, the interacting with people that you admire. Like, what do you carry with you more? The experience or the fact you did this great creative thing that's going to be on film for probably the next hundred years at least? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, oh, that's a good one. Um, I think it varies from um, role to role, and I haven't I haven't had that many. But um, I know that when it all comes together and everyone is kind and collaborative and um, welcoming and excited, that is so moving. And that to me is like this movie magic thing. You know, that's what that's the high. Like you you walk away from it and you're like, oh my god, I got to be a part of this cool thing. Everyone was doing all this stuff. And a, a lot of my parts have been, so far they've been smaller or I haven't had a lot of lines or I just kind of shuffle. Um, I help other characters move the plot along. Um, but I will say that um, this role that I have coming up on uh, Dust Till Dawn, I can't, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about it, but I had a guest star role and my character had um, some heavy emotional lifting to do. And so I was I definitely left that feeling like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Everyone was so kind um, and wonderful. that I got to meet and work with Robert Rodriguez, which was unbelievable. Yeah, but, I bet. Um, it was crazy. But I, I left feeling so um, proud of my work and my craft. And that was one of the, the ep- or projects that I, I felt like, wow, um, this is why I do what I do. This is why I love acting. I can really do this, this, this weird thing <laughs> that makes me so happy. So artistically, I think that there are, are roles that will be more fulfilling and you leave going, Oh my God, I did this cool thing. But a lot of the times, or I think a majority of the time I've left feeling like, wow, I got to be a part of this collective, um, which is super exciting. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I think there's a bit of both, but so far my experience has been more, Oh my God, I got to do this cool thing. And then um, when I, I think as I, I, I get bigger roles, I'll be able to walk away and say artistically, like I feel really fulfilled and I'm excited for people to see my performance. And I really brought something to the table um, 
and also enjoyed the the rest of the process. But I think um, I think I've probably had more of the this is magical and I get to be a part of something bigger than myself. Yeah, it seems um, like a you know like a ten year old in Disneyland for the first time type of moment. Oh yeah. And that seems like it would resonate with you for a long time. Um, We're going to talk about your various roles, but I kind of want to touch on this. As you are gaining more and more, I hate the word fame, so let's just say um, you become more and more recognizable out there in the entertainment ether. How does that change your relationships? I mean, do you have friends that are like, oh, my God, this is so exciting? Or is there a little bit of jealousy? How does it change your relationship? I don't know how supportive your parents are towards your endeavors or with your boyfriend, does it change the dynamics of your relationship the more and more you're working and seen and on TV and in movies or does that not have any effect on that? Um, I think I'm, I'm in the process of finding that out right now. It's, um, it's so strange to me to think that I have a presence or that I am recognizable or, or people know that I exist. It's very strange. Um, I think as far as it affecting my relationships, um, my family is super supportive. They are so wonderful. My mom um, has always, always, always just encouraged me to, to do this thing. And so she is just, she's incredibly proud and excited. And so is my aunt. And so is my family, just everyone. Um, they are so excited for me. And uh I think my mom messaged me the other day and she's like, I don't know how to handle this. Like I I've always prepared for you to handle this, but I don't know how to handle this because what if, what if somebody right. calls me and like wants me to be on the news or something? I don't know how to do that. And I, I was laughing. I, I, then I thought about it. I was like, Whoa, that might actually be in the realm of possibility. That's weird. Um, but uh, as far as my friendships, um, I have such an incredible incredible network of friends who are also actors, singers, performers who are out um, doing what I'm trying to do. I have friends who uh, are in grad school right now um, who are out pounding the pavement in New York and in, 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 in LA. And so I haven't seen some of them face to face, but I know they, they, they like repost my stuff. They've texted me and they've been in contact and said, Hey, like we're super proud of you, you know? And so I'm very, very and that's grateful. the whole ball game to have a supportive um, like infrastructure around you to have supportive people around you. I know when I first started doing this and it was a novelty and people were like, oh, wow, that's neat. You did that. And then as I kind of talked to more and more people and started to get asked to do more and more projects, some of those people have kind of become a little bit more colder and different to me. And I don't think it's yeah. anything else that has happened in our relationship. I just think mm-hmm. it's kind of like I wish I was doing this cool thing. And you're doing it. Even people I've invited on the show. Hey, you you love music. Why don't you come on the show and mix it up with one of your favorite artists on our music show? Oh, no, Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. Or they'll kind of downplay it now. What I'm doing is kind of dumb or something like that. And I just how do you prepare yourself for I mean, it doesn't it doesn't sound like you really have to prepare yourself. But Uh how do you prepare yourself for a possibility like that, that this might change your relationships? Yeah, I mean, I am a little bit I have a little bit of anxiety about that, but I. I have experienced it to some degree, um, but it's mostly kind of casual uh, friendships or relationships or uh, people in my life that no one, like, like people don't ask me about what's going on. Like, it's very uh, obvious that that things are happening, but it's like they're, it's almost like active disinterest. 
Uh, yes, but that totally it might totally be in my head, and that's the other thing. So you you can't address it. It's just something that you have to like. Oh, I feel this way. I'm taking note of that. I see that this person may not necessarily uh, not support me, but they, they, they there's something here that they can't aren't quite uh, accepting or excited about. And uh, I think at first, because I I've, I've encountered that just a little bit. Um, and like I said, it could be in my head, but, um, no, I love that term, I, active disinterest. That's an incredible term. That's exact. That kind of exactly nails yeah. what I've kind of gone through I, myself. I know exactly what he's talking yeah. about. It's like, cause there's like for us, you know, I would tell somebody, Hey, I'm doing this really cool thing and I think you'd really enjoy it. And you know, why don't you check it out for just like a minute? Cause for us, I mean, uh-huh. it's like with TV or movies or whatever, you can literally do it whenever you want. And mm-hmm. then I talk to them later and they're like, oh, no, I haven't checked it out yet. And I'm like, really? I've been mm-hmm. doing this for three years and you still haven't mm-hmm. checked It's like, oh. Yeah, okay. I'm definitely stealing that phrase. All right, <laughs> let's shift gears here. Um, you know that we had found out about you through Preacher. And then, of course, we watched you. I believe it was the season finale of Preacher you're on, correct? Yeah, yeah. And we watched you on there. I know you've got Dust Dust to Dawn coming up, and I know you're playing a different type of role in that. Um, If you play a vampire-type role over here, and that takes a lot of makeup, and I'm assuming you've already um, done all the work, and you you have Mm -hmm. to do X, Y, and Z, and then you're on Preacher, and you're playing a mail carrier, so basically you just have to strap on a mail suit and deliver your lines – is there a level of mm-hmm. intensity between the performance you had to give in Preacher and the performance that will be seen? I believe it's on the ninth on Dust to Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. I guess there, yeah, there's totally uh, different approaches to the way I prepared for the roles. Um, I when I was on Preacher, um, I I went well. I did the I did the audition, and it was just this nice girl, you know. Uh, being, you know, pursued by a man that she wasn't quite interested in. So um, I think I, I was just kind of myself as much as possible in that in that situation. Um, and it was a lighthearted kind of easy, uh, easy interaction, I, I guess. But um, when you bring in the cameras and the other actors and, and shutting down a block in Albuquerque, it's that's that's there's a bunch of other factors that affect your performance and how well can you be present in this simple, what seems simple moment, you know? Um, but I, I actually, I didn't know who I was working across from until the day of. Um, and so when I saw the, the, the list, because they, what what are they? I can't think of it now. Um, but they sent on a list of your times where you're supposed to be, uh, who's going to be there, all that kind of stuff. And so I, I, I had my little piece of paper, my sides and all that. And I, I looked up, uh, or I saw the name Desmond Borges and I, I thought, okay, I don't, that sounds familiar. I don't know that name, but, uh, should I look them up before I get to set? I don't want to freak myself out. Cause what if it's a really big actor? I don't know. But I decided I was going to look up, uh, because I didn't want to be even more surprised when I got there. So, um, I, I'm DB Desmond and I realized he is one of my favorite characters from a show that my boyfriend and I love and we kind of uh, bonded over that show. It's called you're the worst. It's on effect. Um, the third season is coming out to so definitely see it. I'm you familiar watch with on it. Hulu. Oh, it's so good. Um, but I find out I'm working across with Desmond and I'm like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Um, I get to work across from actors that I enjoy watching. This is insane. 
Um, so I think that like the big challenge there was just staying present and not, um, not getting too excited about the outside circumstances of, of life as Jordan and not as Jennifer's the mail carrier. But with um, Dust Till Dawn, I actually felt like that was much easier for me because really, um, yeah, I, I it was it was a difficult. Th- there was a lot going on. There's like blood and smoke and and Robert Rodriguez. He's playing guitar behind the. Monitor. Did it seem more like, like make believe to you? Um, I think it was easier to yeah. I think it was easier to immerse myself in this world and the circumstances that my character. Um, had to deal with because there was this set that was so intense and there was so much action and so much to react to and to be present with. And I, um, I won't, I won't give any way, anything away from, uh, of the plot here, but there, I will say there was a closet that I was in at one point and I was very, very fortunate to have this closet because I would go and hide in there in between takes or when I was just, hanging out. So I have this little safe place to go and get myself into character and to not worry about all of the stuff that's going on outside of this closet. Because yeah, like I said, Robert Rodriguez is sitting on a, on a chair with a guitar watching the monitors. And then the stars of the show are making jokes and having fun. And they're all chummy because they work together. And I'm just, this just no one, you know? Um, and so uh, there's just a lot going on. So I was really, really lucky to have that little closet and I could just focus on my task at hand. And I had this incredible atmosphere um, to put myself in the role of this character. And also because I had a really serious objective or task um, that I had to complete as my character, I think it's almost easier to um, be on those kinds of sets where your, where your character has a real role and an important thing to do. And, and not that Jennifer, the male carrier, didn't have um, an important uh, role. I, I did. I totally pushed the plot along and like, yeah, that, that was an important part, but the stakes weren't as high, like emotionally. Like if I turned down some well, guy who asked me on a date, you know, I'm not gonna, I, I, I'm not as invested. Um, but the character that I played on Dust Till Dawn, um, she was quite traumatized and, and had, um, had a lot at stake. So I was able to focus on that. And um, it was almost easier to do that role than it was to do maybe some of these one-liners. Like I just did um, a movie called Ideal Home. And um, I had, I, I got to work across from Paul Rudd and Steve Coogan, which was, yeah. whoa, that was like a whole other thing. I still can't believe that that really happened. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it was harder to do that part, even though I had less lines and less um, emotional lifting to do, I guess you would call it. Because there's a lot to focus on. There's Paul Rudd standing in front of you, and you want to fuck this up, you know? But you're making, Ah! oh, absolutely. You're making all these interesting points and all these different degrees and all these different ways you have to approach things. And I was really interested, does formal schooling help you with that? Or when you get in it, is it such a different animal? Like kind of all that thing goes out the window and you're just playing it by ear, flying by the seat of your pants? Or are you more prepared because of all your formal schooling? Or could you do what you're doing as effectively without it? It's hard to say because there were times um, when I was in college that I I really felt like this program um, 
or any program, just uh, a college setting wasn't really the most, uh, the, the right place for me to be. It wasn't the most nurturing or it wasn't, no, I don't even want to say that because I don't want that to reflect poorly upon the institution because I love my teachers. My teachers were so incredibly supportive to me and I learned so much from them, but being in a program was difficult for me. Um, just because there's a different set of rules, there's a different hierarchy, there's a different style of acting that is um, really uh, valued and uh, nurtured. So my, my, I think my sweet spot or my niche, as you say, would be film acting, essentially, is I love psychology, I love um, being emotionally present, I love um, the nuances of uh, film acting. And that doesn't necessarily play um, when you're doing theater. You have to be a lot bigger, uh, more energetic. You have to make sure everyone knows what's going on, and you're there to tell a story. And it's um, bigger. So, like you said, it's a lot bigger. Like, everything has to be more pronounced, and the makeup is darker. And, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, so there's a lot to think about, um, or at least for me, I thought there was a lot to think about outside of myself um, and and. I, I have so much respect for theater actors. I, I I do theater as well, but it it took me a long time in my program to figure out how to um, realize my strengths as strengths and not weaknesses because they didn't necessarily serve the criteria or the, the, the program that I was in. But I, okay, so going back to what you said about um, did college help me? It absolutely did. I went to, I had lots of acting classes regularly. I was expected to show up prepared um, and to um, also work through rejection and, and also... Um, so it helped with the mechanics of it, but not the creative end? It helped more with the um, mechanics and the creativity part of it? Well, I think, I think creatively, when I was a junior and senior, um, I, I found more creative fulfillment. And I always had singing. I always had... Because um, I, was I was a musical theater major. So I always had singing. I always had that creative um, outlet. And um, so I, I'm so grateful for that. Uh, but uh, what was I saying? Okay. About being creatively fulfilled. Yeah. I think junior and senior year, I definitely found more um, fulfillment in that way because I had grown up as a person. I had um, gotten out of my own way and I stopped seeing the program as the issue or what I wasn't doing um, I, okay, I have to expand here and I, I just became more grounded. So I think, I think, um, the academic route is fantastic because you are given so many resources and classes are great. Um, but I think college was important for me because it allowed me to grow as a person and I wouldn't have been able to hit the ground running when I graduated. Um, and I started auditioning for film and television my senior year of, um, college too but I, I don't think I would have been as emotionally prepared for auditioning and for this industry had I not gone through four years of college and um, being in a small program and I, I made incredible friends friends that I'll have forever so I think spiritually um, uh, personally as a, just as a human being college was important to me but um, there were definitely times that I felt like what am I doing in these classes like I don't know if this program is I don't know if this is going to work for me, you know, um, but it, it, it definitely became more creatively uh, satisfying uh, the more mature I became and the more um, accepting I was of of what was being offered there, you know. So 
Well, let me backtrack um, yeah. real quick to your music because you're somebody who considers yourself a musician and an actor equally. Would you be able to give up one for the, for another or for the other rather? Like if you got really big in acting and you just didn't have the time to do your music, would you be able to give that up or vice versa? Or are you going uh, forward looking like I'm going to have to keep a balance no matter what I do? I want to have one foot in each of these creative pools. Yeah. Um, Oh my God. Uh, so I don't think I could give either one of them up because I grew up doing theater, community theater and singing, um, was a part of that because it was musical theater. Um, and to me, the, the terms were just synonymous. If you were a singer, you were an actor. If you were an actor, you were a singer. I know that's not true for everyone, but for me, they were just, they, they, they existed together. They, they were, it was a convergence of the two. I, I had to have both. So I think um, that was part of the reason I decided to, to get my degree in musical theater, uh, because I could do both. And I could have... Um, I, I've actually found that with my singing, um, I, that's how I make my living. That's how I pay my rent when I'm not doing film or TV work. I work at a restaurant where I sing, um, and I serve, right. and I sing maybe six or seven songs a night, and that has been... Uh, has I, been I'm recognized there. at your restaurant? Has someone said, hey, I just saw you on Preacher? Um, No, I haven't had that happen yet, but um, I did uh, serve Alan Arkin, or I was a host that night. Nice. And I, I recognized him, and I'm like, ah, how do you know this guy? I, I must have run into him around town, and he was super encouraging, and he was asking about acting stuff, and he was like, yeah, just keep going, keep pushing, and blah, 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 you're super talented. What is it like to have to go be a host and help this family right after singing um, The Wizard and I? And I said, it's kind of weird. I'm not great at multitasking. <laughs> but then he left, and my, my coworker came up to me and said, hey, remember that one time we sang for Alan Arkin? And I said, no. And he said, oh, he just left. <laughs> um, and I've also, I've, I've run into, um, there's another show on the CW right now called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. If you're not watching it, you should watch it. It's great. Um, but Vincent Rodriguez the third came in and the show has just really getting, it was, it only had been like maybe two or three episodes in and it was, we were swamped and I, uh, hadn't been able to get over to this one table because they were kind of tucked behind the piano. I didn't even see that they had been sat. So, uh, I get over there, like maybe they'd been waiting like 15 minutes probably. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Hi, my name's And I recognized the guy and I went, I, Oh, Oh, are you, you look like, and and he just started smiling because I don't think he, he'd been recognized all that much because the show was fairly new. So it was, I think it was a feather in his cap. I think he was super excited and he was so kind and he was there with his partner and um, he, he even sang for us and um, just had a lot of encouraging words. And he's like, I'm so glad I met you. I'm so glad I got to sing. So I've had so many um, moving and, really just I'm really really grateful for that job I'm surrounded by good people super talented people and I have a place where I can share my music and it and it seems to affect people I mean maybe not all the time but um yeah we've we've had like couples who are there celebrating anniversaries or we had one couple that um uh the husband had uh what was it um Alzheimer's and they had asked one of my coworkers to sing a song from their wedding, and he remembered that song, and so they were just both in tears. So I've had a lot of really 
really wonderful experiences at that cantina. And I've also been able to pay my bills doing it. So that's I, always good. I'm very lucky. Well, the good <laughs> news for is, and, yeah. from what I hear, talking to some people who are very seasoned actors, like William Sanderson and people like that, is you never stop being a fan of people. There's still people at his age that he wants to work with and gets excited about. So the good news is that feeling's probably never going to go away, no matter where your career path takes you. Yeah, and that's so exciting and so inspiring and encouraging. You know, it's, it's yeah. I I don't think I could live one without the. I can't not have both. But um, I've been really fortunate to be able to. My singing has been kind of my bread and butter right now, and it hasn't really been as much as my art, I guess, because it's been my business right now. Um, and then every time I book something or I get to do um, acting stuff or. Um, even unpaid work. I mean, that's, that's my creative outlet, but I, I've recently begun to think about it and I'm like, Hey, I need to go back to really appreciating my music and my singing as an art form and not just as a, yeah, it seems like a difficult tightrope. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to find a balance between both. And I think that, um, I think I'll figure it out. I think that it will, both will be a part of my life either as creative outlets or as my professional, um, as my career so yeah if you want to i'm sure you will all right we've only got a couple minutes left before i have to wrap this up i did want to dig in a little bit for the second reason that i reached out to you this is fascinating to me i know there's a growing um acting community a lot of tv shows portland's real hot and um grim and a lot of shows like that are coming out of portland it never occurred Uh to me I mean, the first thing I wrote you, I was like, are you always just going out of town for work? It's amazing to me that Preacher and Dust to Dawn and Frank and all these movies are actually being filmed in New Mexico. Is every state like this? Does every state have like this beautiful, like hidden nugget of actors and when they go to these towns and film? I know there's local theater and television, but I'm talking about as far as Hollywood. Does Hollywood have a presence everywhere? Or is New Mexico and Portland and places like these growing acting communities unique? Um, I think this is a really unique place, um, and it's an exciting place to be. Because of the terrain? Just because of the desert uh, terrain and stuff like that and the backdrop? I think I think that's a huge part of it, because New Mexico itself is like its own character in a film. You know, you can't beat it. It's beautiful. It's incredible. Um, but there are also some really incredible tax incentives here. So I think that's why a lot of work mm-hmm. has been coming here. Um, and as the work has been coming and, um, we've been supporting these tax incentives and, and trying to get films to come here. Um, one of the stipulations is they have to, they have to hire local talent. And because there is a demand for local talent and there's also this, this small community here, which I'm super excited. I'm moving to Albuquerque soon. So I get to be um, an active part of this community. I get to meet more of these people. But um, there's a lot of talent here. But now that there's more work happening, um, the the actors who really take their craft seriously here, and there are a lot of them, um, we have these incredible opportunities. So I think we're this very unique hub here, and we're growing, um, and the, the acting scene is growing. And a lot of people are like, hey, I want to go be on a TV show because I have free time, which – I will say it's kind of frustrating sometimes. That's yeah, I was going to ask you if you're seeing an like, <laughs> influx of people just kind of showing up to the party without putting in the work and just like, hey, yeah. you film here. I'm going to go to New Mexico and just walk up and be in a movie. Are you seeing a huge yeah. influx of that? Um, there is some of that. And I, I think part of that is just 
people don't really know about um, if, if they didn't grow up doing theater, I think it's really easy to think, oh, I'm just going to be an actor now, which is um, a point of contention, as you can probably tell uh, for me. But it's, uh, yeah, there is a little bit of that. But it's mostly everyone who is working. And um, and that's the thing. It really doesn't matter where you start as long as you're willing to put the work in. I, I admire that and I respect that. Um, so there's a little bit of that. But I think it's mostly just really wonderful people here. And everyone is very supportive, which is something that I can say is special and unique. And I lived in LA when I was a teenager and it's hard out there, man. It's hard. Cut so through. if I can say in New Mexico, yeah, it's crazy. And it's just, um, keeping up with, with, I don't, it just, it's just a lot of social circles. It's a lot of, um, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of crap. <laughs> some of it, some of it is. Um, but I did know some really wonderful people there. So I, I will say that, but, um, yeah, New Mexico is really special. And I think that there are similar communities, um, like, like this one in Atlanta. I think Atlanta is one of them. Um, I think Chicago might be growing. Oh yeah. They've got Stone second goes. city. They're big for comedy in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, right. Citizen incredible... Brigade, I think is out of Chicago mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have, um, we just have a lot of talented people here. Like there's, um, my boyfriend's an improviser and he does, um, he's a running cast member of the show at the box theater here in Albuquerque, uh, shameless plug here, but he just got to do a show with Bob Odenkirk, which wow, like what? Yeah. There are so many cool things happening in, in New Mexico. And it's just, we're very, very lucky. We got in, um, I have friends who are in LA right now and they're like, how are you booking so much? What is your secret? And I'm like, Oh, I think it's just a smaller talent pool. Do you pool cast and... a wide net, though? When you're first starting out, do you just say, I'm going to just audition for everything and do anything that's asking me? Or do you say, no, I'm going to be a little bit choosy with um, projects because there is a lot going on right now in this scene, in this community? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, well, when I first started out, it's like your agent calls you for an audition, you go. Um, and I, I've always gone on every audition. That and you I've have to have an agent, on. right? Yeah, yeah, you can't, and that's the other thing too. I think a lot of people think that like, oh, you should go be on American Idol, like go, go, go audition for that show. It doesn't work that way. You have to have an agent, you have to be called in, you have to be sad. There's a lot of other hoops that you have to jump through that a lot of people don't know about. I mean, how could they know? The film industry is a strange beast. But um, as, as for, I, I feel like now I, I've always been, I've always just hustled, you know, anything. I, there are a lot of terrible films that I've been a part of um, that were non-union and, and I shouldn't even say terrible. They were, they were what they were. And I got uh, to be on a small set and I got to know what it's like to have a camera in front of me. So I will do, I would pretty much do anything, anything that would, I would even remotely fit the character for. I would audition, which anything that was non-union, non-union or student, I would go and audition. And then anything my agent would send me out on, I would go to that. I, I mean, there, I've never said, no to an audition. Um, there was one time that an audition got canceled, which I was actually kind of okay with because I thought that the, the script was uh, just a little bit, I know it was a comedy, but it was a little bit raunchy you know, a little or bit racist. Uh... A little racist. And so then it, it was funny because those sides actually had been leaked onto the internet and people were like in an uproar about it. So I was grateful that I, I was not able to go to that audition and because I didn't really believe in what, um, I, I just didn't really believe in it. And so I was grateful that I didn't have to go on that. But um, yeah, but now I think I'm being a little more selective with my time. 
which is scary because as an actor, you don't know when you're going to book next. You don't know, um, you, you don't know what kind of roles are going to come up for you. Um, so it is scary to be choosy, but I, I mean, my agent would never send me out on something that didn't make sense. But as far as doing things that are low budget or unpaid, um, I really think about, is this worth my time? Is this something that I want to represent uh, me? Because that's the thing. A lot of people see a movie and they think that that whatever 30 seconds that you're on screen, that is what you're capable of. Um, and that's not true. That's just a, a very small slice of your talent or your acting ability, but the audience doesn't know that. So unless it's something that is really going to benefit my career or I'm going to get a good moment for my reel or unless I really believe in the project or the people that I'm working with, um, I have been more selective about um, smaller, smaller uh, roles. But like I said, I, I'm so grateful to have any paid work. That's awesome. But for the unpaid stuff or the low budget stuff, um, I am a little more careful now. And it's very odd to say, oh, I have a choice in this. I, I get to choose. I get to say no. That's an option. Um, but most of the time, I don't say no. <laughs> I usually say yes. All right. Well, the last thing I want to touch on is I watched the trailer for Graves. This is right up my alley. I mean, I'm a political junkie. Oh. I love the uh -huh. trailer. Um, before I really jump into the show, I wanted to talk about, you mentioned Hulu earlier, and I'm looking at this thing, and it's going to be on, um, series premieres on October 16th on Epics, which is another streaming uh -huh. platform. Um, as somebody just starting out in this industry compared to somebody 20 years ago, do you feel like you're looking at it through a different filter because you do have Netflix and Hulu and binge watching? And my friend Caleb, he's actually doing a show on Snapchat. I didn't even know that was possible. He has cooking with what? Caleb on Snapchat, which I didn't even know was a Whoa. thing. And you have all these platforms that are putting out content. Even YouTube's going to start coming out with original content, like the YouTube wow. itself. It, it, are you looking at uh -huh. this through a totally different lens? Are you do you have to approach the entertainment industry in a totally different way? And do you think the future is in Netflix? That network television is going to go bye bye in twenty years? Yeah, um, I don't know. I I've thought about that, and I only have my perspective of of what it's like to be an actor now. But what I would imagine that it is it's a very different uh, climate. I guess you would say with all of these. Uh, web series and YouTube and, and all the stuff emerging. Um, I think it's a, an incredibly exciting time to be an actor, especially uh, to be a female um, in this industry right now, because I think that the, um, the shows that are coming out on Netflix and uh, I mean, these are all funded shows. And so they, I don't really know how it works. I'm, what am I trying to say here? I think there are more opportunities and I think because of the time that we're in, there's a, a bigger range for characters and it's, I think it's probably less expensive to make. I don't know if this is true or not, but I would imagine that it's probably a little bit less to put something on the internet and you can get around certain roles. You can curse more. You can, I don't know what all of the, the loopholes are here, but I know that there are different roles about like nudity and, um, and cursing and, and whatever. So oh, yeah. it's we pretty super much do whatever exciting. the fuck we want. Because we're on the internet. Yeah, there's so what just, are do? <laughs> yeah, it's it's so cool. There it means that there are more shows, different characters to fill. Um, it, it it really depends on the audience. If if the people want it, they can have it. And I think it's easier to create these series and therefore um, more roles for actors. So I think it's an incredible um, and wonderful time to be an actor um, who is just starting out. I am very very lucky. I think. 
So you got these different yeah. platforms. You got Epics. You got Graves coming on Epics. And we do have to kind of wrap this up. Tell me a little sure. bit about Graves because this show looks this show looks like it's going to be a show that's going to be watched. And I didn't even know Epics did original programming. And I feel like everybody's doing original programming. How do you not get lost in like the white noise? of all of these different platforms putting out so much. There was a time when, you know, Nerdist always talks about this. I listen to a lot of the Nerdist podcasts, and they always talk about how 20, 30 years ago, if you were an actor with real talent, you could be as much of an asshole as you wanted to, and people kind of had to put up with it. But now Mm -hmm. you can't make it in this industry if you're somebody nobody wants to work with. And I feel like Mm -hmm. all these platforms have opened up that door where there's so many choices now you don't kind of, there's so much talent out there now in such a big pool. Now you mm-hmm. don't have to put up with people coming in with negative attitudes or being a diva or being a drama, like a very dramatic demanding person, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And it's super exciting because it puts, and now that we have YouTube, now that we have the internet and everyone has a, a, a camera on their iPhone, um, you can make your own content. You know, if you're good at something, if there's a character that you play well, you can write yourself something, you know. And, I mean, I write a lot. And that's one of the things that I want to focus on um, is maybe being able Very to nice. make my own stuff, make a short. I have a script for a short film that I've had in my back pocket for a while. And, and with the community that there is in New Mexico, I mean, it's possible to, like, go out and make this thing. So it's incredible. There are so many platforms for talented people, talented, driven artists to say, hey, I exist. You know, and that's all it takes is one person saying, oh, I like that person. Let's put them in this, you know. So, um, yeah, so I think it's, that's really cool. But what, sorry, going back to ethics and what what was the question? <laughs> sorry. I saw I kind of trailed off there. Well, I mean, I no, was just kind of give us a lowdown on Graves. I see Nick Nolte yeah, yeah, yeah. in it, who is a powerhouse. Um, oh, my God, he's amazing. <laughs> and I, like I said, I watched the trailer, and there's a lot of shows coming out now, like Veep, and they're kind of in uh-huh. House of Cards to the darker end of the spectrum. And people uh-huh. are really interested uh-huh. in politics right now. Yeah, and they should be. They should be. Um, yeah, it's, well, uh, it's about, Graves is about, um, Nick Nolte, he plays President Graves. And I actually, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but he he was president at one point. And he is basically trying to make what I, what I understand is make amends for um, his, his former presidency. So that's, that's what I, what I understand about it. Um, my character, I can't say anything cause I'll, I'll give away the plot, uh, some of the plot if I, if I say who I was, but I was in the first and second episode and it was just a riot though. Everyone was so fun. Um, Skylar Aspen was there and Nia Vardalos who is an absolute angel um she, oh my god she was so nice uh my dad was in afghanistan at the time and wow. she made yeah I, so i was on my first television set because i had done frank and that was a couple years ago but um this is the first tv series that i had booked after a long time of auditioning and callbacks for whatever is in the area lots and lots and lots and lots of close calls and then finally i got the show and so it was, it was like yeah like the, the little kid at disneyland or disney world kind of situation but she was so sweet, and um, we were in the transfer van, and they made a video, uh, Nick Nolte, uh, Neil Vardalos, and, and just everyone who was in the van with us. We all said hi to my dad and uh, said hi to the troops, so that was really cool. But, um, yeah, it was just so much fun to be around, and, and the com- comedy was great. Uh, the scenes that I got to watch and be a part of, uh, very smart, very 
good writing, uh, funny and relevant. And Nick Nolte was incredible. I saved his life. I didn't really, but he almost spilled coffee on himself and then I stopped him from doing that. So there um, you go. You saved his life. You're coffee welcome. Nick Nolte. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hope he's listening uh, to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Maybe, maybe someday, maybe I'll get to work with him again. And I'll let him know how things really went down, but, um, it's going to be a good show. I think, uh, I think you'll probably really enjoy it. And it's, it was just a lot of fun and it, it's going to be great. I'm really excited about it. I want to know more about it. It's just been kind of under wraps for the longest time. And then this trailer emerged. I was like, Hey, I'm going to be on that thing. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm very eager to see what the show is going to be, but I know it's going to be fun and I know it's going to be entertaining. So I'm excited. Well, Jordan, our time is up. Actually, you turned our 20-minute podcast because you were such a delight into a 60-minute podcast. <laughs> oh, and no! I still, I still no, didn't get good. to half of what I wanted to talk to you about. But the oh, more important God, question is, this was You're your good. first ever interview. Did you have a good time? Oh, I did. Absolutely. Awesome. I know I'm very talkative, so I'm worried we didn't, well, we didn't get to most of your stuff, so I'm sorry about that. But I, We never I do. Really, Don't listen to him. Really it's totally it. okay. It's kind of <laughs> like when a girl leaves a sweater accidentally at a boy's house she likes. Now you could come ah. back. Now we have an excuse to invite you back because we okay. didn't get to half the material. See how that works? Oh, yeah. See, very coy. I did this on purpose. There yes, you. very coy. Giving away my secrets. <laughs> Well, Well, I want to thank you for calling in today on your way out the door. Please tell everybody where they can find you and what projects we can see you in next. Awesome. Oh, do I do that now? (laughs) Do that now. Go for it. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, I'm going to be in the season finale of Night Shift. I don't know if you'll be able to find me. I'm a nurse. Uh, My face is covered most of the time, but it was fun. Um, Dust Till Dawn premieres on September 6th. So double was... feature the first and second episode so i will be in the second episode so you can say hey that's my girl um and then graves is coming will you be up recognizable? Um, hmm? what was that will you be recognizable or will you be in makeup or we won't be able to recognize oh yeah you'll know you'll 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 know me you'll see, okay. you'll see me um and then what else do we got uh graves that's coming out first and second episode of that and then uh next year uh an ideal home and that stars Steve Coogan and Paul Rudd. Um, and yeah, I'm, will you be back on <laughs> when do you find uh, out things like that? How does that work when they're, they're going to bring you back? Well, that's the thing. Uh, I have no idea. I have a friend who was on preacher, uh, Jody Lynn Thomas. She's amazing. And she said that there is a possibility for just about anybody to come back. Cause everyone can go to hell. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that makes I, sense. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea if that would be uh, possible for me because I was just in that flashback scene. I mean, I would love it. Please. Yep. Please. I, I will, I'll come back. I will gladly go to hell. Um, but I don't I don't know. Uh, when it, when Graves happened, I was only in the first episode. I was written into the first episode. And then I got an email from my agent saying, hey, they're bringing you back. And I was like, what? I didn't even know that was a possibility. So there's that. And I thought maybe they'd bring me back on Dust Till Dawn, which I guess that might could still be a possibility. That show is bonkers. It's, it's really good if you haven't seen it. Um, but there's maybe a chance I could come back later um, in that show, too. So but I don't I don't know. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say I'm not coming back. because, because I, And there's so I many shows now <laughs> that have that lost format where when people die and I'll tell D, ah, they'll be back in a flashback. They're not yeah. gone. For good. They'll and come I'm back like, as a no, ghost or no. a flashback or something. Like, oh, OK. 
Well, and like you said, with Preacher, it's it's really hard to tell because I really, really thought Cassidy was dead. Like, seriously, just uh-huh. totally thought that. And I was like, oh, yay, he didn't kill him. Oh, I'm so happy now. <laughs> you know, it's kind of one of those. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, then. Yeah, Anything I mean, can happen. If they like you, they figure out a way to make it work, too. I mean, I, I'm sure that that has happened to actors where, like, um, I, I don't know if you watch Parks and Recreation, but oh God, yes. Chris Pratt's character was only supposed to be there for a couple episodes, but they yes. loved him. So they're like, oh, you're going to marry April. Oh, yeah, I loved him in so, that. That's yeah, awesome. same with the girl who played the receptionist in The Office. She was only supposed to be in a couple episodes. Um, the oh, Kimmy Aaron? Smith girl, I can't yeah. think of her name off the top. Oh, of yeah, her. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what is her name? She's great, too. She's yeah. so good. Yeah, I would love, love to talk to her. I, I love watching mm-hmm. her on The Office. But, um, yeah, she was only supposed to be in a couple episodes, and everybody loved her so much. She was such a joy to be around. She became a regular pretty much a star that one of the stars by the yeah. last couple seasons. And now she's Kimmy mm-hmm. Schmidt. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So fingers crossed. It can happen. There you go. All right. Well, I only see good things happening for you. And we'll definitely have you back on the podcast in a couple months as more and more things happen. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. I am so grateful. Um, I really, really appreciate your time. And thank you so much for having me as a guest. Hey, Thank you, Jordan. I'm glad we were your first interview. Yeah. Like in 10 years, I'll I'll get to say, hey, look, we were her first interview. Yep. Oh, thank you so That'll much. I'm so excited. Yeah. All righty, Jordan. Good. Thank you, guys. Right, Kettle Fish guys. will be back next week with – let everybody know who's coming next week, D. Oh, my goodness. Next week? Next week, really. Next week is Asif Ali from Wrecked. And then we have Krish Mohan. And then we have R.L. Bell. So we're, we're doing pretty good. Yes, a lot of people I'm very excited to talk mm-hmm. to. All righty, guys. Thanks for sticking with us the whole hour. This is Kettle Fish. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye and have a good weekend.